Captain's log. We've been on edge since Gwyn showed us what happened to the last Protostar crew. Megan, Megan. This is Captain Tapote of the USS Protostar. The mystery surrounding our ship still haunts us. Captain, send out the warning. We're being booked. Janeway most of all. We're all frustrated. We can't find out more. But in the meantime, we've discovered a welcome distraction. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me, selling children to slavers are... Adam Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Bowen Marler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that is literally what Nandy did to Dove. I just yeah. want to point out. like no, that, it's that's, true. This was the element, a plot element, in our children's TV show that we watched this week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and, and try to keep the ball going here. <laughs> so welcome to Strange New Takes. <laughs> Today we're covering the sixth episode of the first season. Uh, no, we're not. We're it's not covering seventh. that one. I'm on the wrong thing. Well, it, it, I mean, it's, we're still in that place where, like, you could call it the sixth episode yeah, if the first no. episode is just one. Um, it would be the seventh episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called First, first Con. Tact. <laughs> you got to go. put some emphasis on the con. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you, dear listener, should con your friends into listening to us. Uh, <laughs> deceive them. Be like, I'm putting on some music. Oh, what's this? My favorite Star Trek podcast. I guess we have to listen to this now. What do you mean you don't want Prodigy? You'll enjoy this podcast anyway. And make sure to follow us on social media and, if you can, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Because, hey, which podcast have you been listening to that gives you so much entertainment before we even got to the content? So <laughs> that's worth a five-star rating in my book. Better be in yours, dear listener. And Absolutely. And thanks for doing that. Uh, this is the point where I tell you uh, that you should be aware that we are going to spoil this episode. Uh, we're going to spoil potentially other episodes. And uh, yeah, this is just the point where you need to pause and then go watch it or just barrel on through with us. So let's get started. All right. Well, as Emily told us earlier, we are watching the seventh episode of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy. First con. Dak, did I emphasize that enough? I think so. I think you, you did. First aired on 13th January 2022. It was written by Diandra Pendleton Thompson. I really like that name. It was directed by Steve In Chang An. Oh, I like that name a lot. And then Sung Shin. I like that a little less, but it's still pretty good. So uh, good names. Good names. Everybody involved with this. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. When a mentor from Dal's past persuades him to use their Federation cover for personal gain, they quickly discover Starfleet has protocols for a reason. Man, if this isn't like, and we all learned a lesson at the end, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> as, like, as an episode summary. Anyway, we always start this podcast with our strange new takes. So which of you has a strange new take for me, crew? Well, uh, for the, the strange new take for the real world, uh, I discovered that 
uh, despite my chickens having had some experience with the snow last year, uh, they have now reset and uh, snow is uh, seems terrible. It's white lava. They should not walk onto it. Uh, so we, we, we thought like, oh, we should give the girls a chance to play in the snow. And they just stared at the ground for uh, a good five minutes before even like starting to walk out. <laughs> but uh, for the episode itself... Um, I mean, well, one, it's a little bit strange that we had uh, that it's first contact in the uh, in Paramount Plus, but it's first contact just in the thing. Uh, I think my my prediction is that uh, since we've got two episodes, this uh, episode titles this season that were all that were both that were references to previous episode titles. And also those exact same episode titles were uh, in other shows. I think we need to. But uh, recently, we need to also have uh, Anomaly or The Anomaly as one of the episodes uh, this coming season. So, Can I explain that, Adam? It turns out that the title card was actually wrong on Paramount Plus and that the show's creator had to go and address it online and be like, Oh, no, that was a mistake. We fixed it. Oh. And so, so it was. It was actually like uh, maybe the overeager intern who makes the title cards, being like, "First contact." I know that. Last week we used another episode title Star Trek has used before. Who cares? It's been a movie, and just typed it out. Maybe I don't know. So, but, so the uh, episode actually has been re-edited with the with the new episode or the new title card. Interesting. Yeah. So on Crave, so this episode is released on Paramount Plus and Crave. On Crave, if you watch it on Crave, I know you. Many of you do. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I actually don't know what Crave is. But anyway, if you watch it on Crave, it actually said First Contact. On Paramount Plus, it initially read First Contact. And then after the creator went online and said, sorry about that, it now reads First Contact on Paramount Plus. Interesting. Well, I I guess... If these were physical products, uh, everyone would value the uh, the Paramount Plus version more because it it has like that error that was quickly taken out in the run. So just count yourself lucky, dear listener, if you saw First Contact. Uh, Dude, they should release a Star Trek Prodigy NFT of that like title card. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess that's my turn, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, if dear listener, you aren't able to see my facial expressions, but a little earlier in the podcast, I was making some disgusted facial expressions because someone is releasing gaseous anomalies in my general direction. <laughs> you was, got species ten C over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> like, whoo, SBD is happening over here, but um. Not from me, from my dog. Just wanted to clarify that for everybody. I, but um... I did learn that whoever smelt it dealt it. Uh, so, well, the dog I'm can't pretty tell sure me that's that. He... General Order One. <laughs> the dog can't tell me that he smelt it, and he's sleeping. So, <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah. So, whew, dogs can emit some some potent smells. Um, but my strange new take for the episode. So I saw that this was. Um, is it Deandra Pendleton Thompson? It's her first mm-hmm. episode that she's ever written and for TV. And so uh, Kate Mulgrew uh, shared her tweet about that and said, you know, a great debut or something. So I went and commented on 
Deandra's tweet and just said, hey, I loved this episode. I thought it was really beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time, but I, I really enjoyed it. And she liked my tweet, so I thought that was nice. Oh, but anyway, such a good feeling. Now, granted, she just liked my tweet on her tweet. Like, it was a reply on her tweet, but still, I said something that made the writer of the episode feel happy, so that makes me feel happy. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I did I did think this was a... I, I was a little distracted. Uh, my kid was really freaked out by the Ferengi. And so it took a whole lot to keep him in the room and he actually had to leave for a while. And then it was too loud. So we had to put on the subtitles because he didn't want to even hear it. But we finally coaxed him back into the room and he watched most of the episode with us. But so that kind of took some of the poignancy of a few moments away. Um, But I did, I did find this episode kind of heartbreaking. So um, as far as uh, Dal goes, but um, yeah, so I liked it. Are, are, are you sure that like uh, Gene Roddenberry didn't have your son Dietrich as the test audience for the last outpost? <laughs> TNG. He's like, this will be the scariest alien race Star Trek has ever seen. And Dietrich's what? like, yes, yes, it's horrible. Know, it's, <laughs> it's one of the reasons we have. He really loves Odo, but whenever we watch Deep Space Nine, we kind of have to. I have to talk him through the uh, Quark scenes because he's a little freaked out by Quark. So. He, he's in for a rude awakening when he sees Discovery's friend. Oh my they bring it up to another level. Oh, they, they really do. do. They really do. <laughs> Did y'all know that Gene Roddenberry wanted Ferengi to be like wearing gigantic guard pieces and be like hypersexualized as a species? I'm not kidding. Like this I'm is not, not surprised. I mean, the, the, Lordy. they they kept around a bit of that, I guess, with the uh, uh, Umox. Umax. Yeah. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, anyway, my, my strange new take actually has to do with names. So my name is actually Nachiket. It's spelled N-A-C-H-I-K-E-T, dear listener. Uh, you don't need to write that down. I go by Notch, and I haven't for very long. It's only been like maybe... It started maybe 10 years ago, and now it's like totally switched. And yesterday, actually, it's the first time that even within an employer system, I'm noted as Notch. Like, my email address is Notch and not Notchicate. Oh. That's really, I mean, that was like, because this is one of the first employers from, from the beginning, I was communicating as my shortened yeah. name. And it's, I don't know, I've got feelings about this that I'm not like entirely sure of yet. Like, I don't want to like abandon my name, but this one's much easier for people. But I'll say this also. I thought like Notch Kid, Notch is much simpler. Everyone's like Notch, N A C H. That's the German word Nach, obviously, and that's how I'm gonna pronounce it. I'm just like, oh, oh, please stop. Um. Well, that's like my dad. My dad changed um, the way his he has his name because he didn't like people mispronouncing it. When he first started in the workforce, it just got to him. So he's like, I'm not going by that anymore. <laughs> so he changed how he said it. Unfortunately, he then moved to Missouri. And also, people don't know how to say Maurice. <laughs> no, they don't. They say Morris all the time. I'm like, what? I've never. Anyway. Oh, well. Well, I, could, I mean, I could go on and on about names. But it's just something that I've been thinking about and reading these wonderful names on the title card. Maybe think about my own. Um, yeah, I'll just keep it short and sweet for my... Uh, episode strange you take which is this is the first one that for me felt like it was really like aimed at kids uh which Mm. again is interesting given the complexity and the emotional toll it can take but this is the first episode where i'm like "Hmm, this is a kid's show for sure enjoyed it still uh all right 
Let's go on to starting to talk about the story and the writing. Uh, I think the first thing that we need to get out of the way, because a lot of people brought this up online in the discussion threads I was reading, is like, Ferengi in the Gamma Quadrant? What? That's completely unwatchable. Lordy. I mean, I, I guess we, we still don't know uh, exactly where they are. Uh I, I don't I don't know how many references we had in that like four thousand year or four thousand light year uh, journey uh, map that happened, but like if we are near the Bajoran Wormhole, we've had Ferengi go through that before. We've also had Ferengi in the Delta Quadrant that end up uh, stranded in in wormholes. So like maybe a similar thing happened uh, X decades ago, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know that it bothers me that much. Well, and we also had the message from the Diviner looking for the Protostar that i mean it's reached her ears because she was responding to it and wanting to give information so she could get a bounty you know so yeah she's gonna be like in it's... contact with the fourth with something that's four thousand light years away so yeah, yeah there's there's some uh I, I guess federation space is probably larger than four thousand light years maybe yeah I, but it's I don't still know. Some of those it feels maps look like very big mm-hmm. i feel it's... like it's all taking place not close to the center of the galaxy, but close, uh, like not on the perimeters of. Yeah, we're, we're on know, the borders the of these, at least those two quadrants. Yeah. 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 And, you know, even if it wasn't, who cares? There are so many freaking <laughs> explanations that you could make up tomorrow for this. Can like, you. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that? Trelane from TOS. The yeah. Dooms, uh, the, the, uh, oh, what was the, what was the dude that Discovery met from the, 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 the gateway. Oh, the oh Guardian of Forever? Guardian of Forever. You could have that, that thing. Like there's, yeah. there's ways a caretaker array in the Delta Gamma Corn. I don't know. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for uh, putting up with my frustration there for a second. Also, by the way, um, the biggest problem with this episode really is the filth that they're subjecting our children to these days on Star Trek. I mean, it's just, you know, it started I'm, with people taking their clothes off on Enterprise and here we are. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that you even said that this one is for kids because I, I I got a little bit worried that I knew Dietrich was watching this episode and uh, he was going to see a, a Claude Ferengi. A female and uh i mean honestly maybe maybe he instinctually knew this was wrong and that's, that's why he why. was so scared yeah i think so <laughs> i think so <laughs> so i mean okay we're, we're kidding around but the memory alpha helpfully had a little explanation they said grand nagus zek granted ferengi females the right to wear clothes as an amendment to the ferengi bill of opportunities in 2374 which was meant to act like a snowball effect for females to be able to acquire material goods profit to buy goods and becoming part of the Workforce, so they could accrue profit as seen in DS9's Profit and Lace. So some time has passed and Ferengi society seems to be moving on, which is nice. Also, the things we put up with as like socially forward, like commentary in the 90s was funny sometimes, don't you think? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um but I mean, it, it is it is still one of those things that we gotta acknowledge because it's part of the universe, and and we've now acknowledged it, and we've subjected our children to filth, as we were saying, and we were introduced to Nandi in the first uh, or Nandi. I, I don't know how do you, how how was it pronounced the episode again? Did you all catch that? I can't remember. My Indian brain says Nandi, but it's I think I, I think it, I think it was closer to Nandi, but Nandi. But but, but they, there's also kind of like a like. Rhyming it entirely with dandy doesn't sound quite right to me. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what y'all think of her? 
She was pretty awful. No, no, but I mean, like, in the introduction and, like, as we went through, like, how were you feeling when you were introduced to the character in the first oh, few scenes? well, I was going to say, I knew it was a, I knew it was a scam from the moment they answered the hail. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it just, I was like, this does not sound legit. They're going to be drawn into something that, you know, they shouldn't be drawn into. And it turns out I was right on a whole bunch of levels. <laughs> anyway, and oh, that was that also freaked Dietrich out because she like ate the baby as far as he was concerned. You know, when she got rid of the, whole... <laughs> he's like, oh no, stop! stop. Gene Roddenberry's <laughs> taking notes. Like last outpost, have them eat children. That'll terrify the viewer. We're more. like, oh, Dietrich, it's like a piece of bread or something. It's not really a baby. <laughs> so, oh, it was just traumatic on a number of levels for my kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> I I gotta say, I mean, it was kind of like, I was surprised that Janeway didn't like, wasn't like, hey, listen, this is happening, but it's probably fake. Like, I, I like you, Emily, saw it coming from a mile away. Yeah. And I mean, it's clear from the direction that you're not supposed to like fully trust her. But like, as soon as Dal was like, hey, how's it going? I was like, this is going to end very badly. And it ended yeah. even worse than we thought. <laughs> I mean, that is exactly yeah. what I expected. As soon as she was like, oh, yeah, it left her room. Exactly. And it's like a little hammock in the engine room. I'm like, yep, she sold him. Like, that's what happened. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was at, at the very least, it was like covered under the stairs kind of energy. But I, I yeah, it, it was it was not a good. I, I mean, the, the, I guess what's interesting, though, is that for me, it did. It completely explains Doll's character. Like, I totally get where he's coming from in mm -hmm. all of the previous episodes now which mm -hmm. i i really appreciate that um i guess we we introduce him as this kind of selfish character i mean first he's maybe like roguish and we're like a bit endearing in the first episode but over time i've been getting more frustrated with him um to the point where i like feel like i need an explanation and this episode gave it to us without having to like hammer in like he didn't need to Ex like go on some sort of exposition explaining why he is a certain way we just we get it yeah 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 it's i mean there's been a i mean on this podcast we've there's been a lot of hate towards dal and why is he like this and you yeah. know it is frustrating to see a character behave the way that he does because we want our characters to be setting themselves up for success mm -hmm. but like you're saying now we, we're starting the pieces are coming together yeah, yeah. so i I, like I, I know you you mentioned last week uh, about that you wanted to have Dahl like taken down a notch and uh, to uh, like have have sort of something that he really can't overcome and like a true failure. Do you still feel that way now? Um, whether I think he can overcome his his. Yeah, you, you were talking about how you wanted him to have something that he truly would fail at and to realize oh. that he's not an effective captain captain that he he doesn't yeah. have what it takes right now i i still would like him to generate that self-awareness and i don't know if i fully saw that happen in this episode at least the realization like maybe next episode mm. opens and he's moping like gwyn was i yeah. don't know but i we need him to be self-aware is really the thing right like that is the quality that i'm hoping that they're going for but especially because it's a kids show it'd be a nice thing to be able to demonstrate like okay this is you can yeah. be self-aware of your weaknesses and like acknowledge them and up. so i i work in a team-based and work environment now and one of the things that my teams are trained to do is in your first meeting you always talk about this is what i'm good at these are my weaknesses these are my blind spots these are my like 
uh, like core skills or whatever, you basically lay out on the table who you are as a team member. So the team knows how to like slot everybody into their areas of strength and watch watch out and have accountability for the weaknesses. I think that's part of being a good team member. And that's what I want Dal to do. I want Dal to acknowledge and I want the kids watching this show to realize it's okay to just be very upfront and be like, this is what I can excel at. This is what I'm going to need help with. And I'm probably not the best person to be in this particular position, but I can be great over here on the other side. Kind of like we had with Saru in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like we had with Saru and the two captains in Discovery, where Saru doesn't need to give up his captaincy. He's earned that position. But I mean, the dynamic that he and Burnham have is they're such a good team. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of, I think, where what I want to see more explicitly. But this could be a good first step in that regard, this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I expect he's he's going to have, especially as we deal with the impact of this over the next couple of episodes, uh, I mm -hmm. assume that we'll, we'll deal with it uh, directly. Because I, I feel like this show has has been drawing pretty straight lines between episodes so far. Uh, that we are going to get a chance, hopefully, to where Dahl completely connects that the reason they're in danger now is because of him. And yeah. the reason that, that, like, they are nearly going to lose everything is his fault. Well, I did see him. I mean, he is starting to put those pieces together because he was uncomfortable with what uh, Nandi was asking him to do. Yeah. He, you know, he knew it wasn't right and he was trying to conceal that from the rest of them. Now, granted, he needs to get to the point where he stops concealing that stuff from the rest of the crew and just being upfront with what someone trying to con him or whatever. But then um, also, I mean, he did try to make it right by putting the, uh, whatever, the communicator on the crystal yeah. so that they could beam it back, which was Dietrich's favorite part. He just squealed in delight when the crystal got put back. <laughs> he thought that, he's like, yay, the fairies get their powers back. That's <laughs> it was fantastic. really sweet. So, because they're the fairies, that's what he calls them. I, but, I like um, it. Starfleet yeah. name registry has acknowledged that as their official name now. There you go. That's the name <laughs> of, the, of the planet or the aliens. But um, so that was really sweet to see. You know, I mean, so but yeah, those yeah. things. Uh, so there are and, and also his uh, recognition of the. The deep hurt that he's experienced because of her discovering that she sold him into slavery, yeah. you know, and then talking with. um Gwyn about that. I mean, those are things he hasn't talked about that kind of stuff with other people, really. You know, so I feel yeah. like he started to show some vulnerability a little bit um, in that. So he's making steps. It's, I think, I think on the on the topic of Dallow, one other thing that I want to just talk about is he behaved like a child in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. like throughout. And I saw a lot of people in the, in, again, on discussion, they like, why couldn't the crew see through this? Like, don't they understand? I'm like, no, they don't the understand. <laughs> They're like 10 years old, buddy. Uh, and like 14 yeah. and 15 or whatever. Yep. Like, these are children. <laughs> like, it's okay for them to be like behaving. Like, they're literally children. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which I, I, I mean, I, I guess gets into the like... Uh, I think we've we've seen similar. I mean, this is pretty common in shows where you have like the the father figure or the mother figure like try to manipulate the protagonist in some way or or another. And like often, what we're having to do is like, well, they, I mean, they're an adult. Like, why why do they uh, have this same thing? And it's uh, 
at least th- theoretically, we should be able to get be, get past that a lot more easily when, yeah, th- is a 15-year-old, cannot, mm-hmm. like, th- your parents have a power over you in a way that is uh, just, you, you you cannot expect that uh, kind of wherewithal from someone who's his age. Well, it's like, I remember, I, gosh, I think this would be the second week in a row I've made a Harry Potter reference, but hey, whatever. Um, just keep, keep when, it going. <laughs> when I was reading the fifth Harry Potter book, I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are driving me crazy. Why don't they just go to adults? If they would just go to an oh, yeah. adult and another adult besides Umbridge, obviously, and say what is happening, they would put uh-huh. a stop to it. Like, this is not acceptable. And why are they behaving like this? And then I was also a youth group leader of lots of 15-year-olds, and they were totally acting the same way. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, gosh, my 15 year old brother is actually just like this. So I think probably, <laughs> probably I'm trying to remember just... what age I was like. I, I feel like because that book also grated on my nerves in, a, in uh-huh. a lot of ways. And I'm wondering if it's because like I was just recently this dumb. No, and serious. I'm slightly I think better. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because actually the reason it makes me so angry at first it was the kids. But later it was it was just the character of Umbridge was yeah, like, the, yeah. I mean, I just she's just horrible but um but yeah it was just kind of funny like oh looking in real life working with kids this age no you know what that actually is what they're like so i just need to (laughs) you just need to let kids go through the things that they're going through that that's that's what happens when you're growing up you know you go through stages and you you learn things as you go it's it's and i have to commend the writers of the show for allowing kids to be kids but also not making them so annoying that like we as adults can't watch them i think yeah which is i I, that's how i know that this isn't regular star trek writers that are writing these kids because it it, (laughs) in in all previous instances they have been like gone to make them annoying and it's also not people who normally write for like disney and nickelodeon teen shows because oh my gosh we don't have Gwen walk up to Jane, but you're pretty. You should marry my father or whatever, like Wesley. Um, anyway, let's let's take a break here. We'll come back, talk more about first contact. Curiously, Dal doesn't share our excitement. I sense hesitation. Why would you think that? I'm not hesitating. Who's hesitating? You should be. We need to have a serious talk about first contact. Ah, where's her off switch? Starfleet's prime directive is to avoid interfering in the evolution of other intelligent species. These are the highest priority guidelines Starfleet abides by. I cannot stress enough that failure to adhere to these rules could have disastrous consequences, altering the fate of this civilization. We'll be careful not to interfere in their devolution. What about uniforms? to look the part we are representing the federation we don't need to be that formal let's just do this and get out okay fine welcome back to strange new takes where we've been seeking sponsors uh if you run a grocery delivery service we will eat the food you tell us to eat and say it was great if you would like to sponsor (laughs) us other products welcome too with some caveats uh but anyway Let's go back into discussing first contact. Oh, no, I did it wrong. Oh, no. Oh, you better change that card. Um, Yeah. First (laughs) contact. Get Um, it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the one person I do blame in all of this is Janeway. Janeway is supposed to be an adult and didn't see Nandy's deception. Like, come on. Real Janeway would not have fallen for that. And number two, again, fell for Dal's whole, like, 
routine. And even even if she didn't, why is she allowing little kids to go on first contact missions? Well, she also, I don't yeah. think she fell for it. She just left. She was like, I disapprove of what you're doing and then left mm. kind of thing. And it was like, that's not, that's not offering them guidance. Like <laughs> they need a little more than that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, initially I was, uh, what, back when we were in those first like 15 seconds of like, oh, this is definitely a scam, but they don't realize this for some reason. Uh -huh. uh, I, I was kind of worried that Janeway was actually going to be like, no, you have to help people because we're the Federation. And uh, I, so I was glad that we at least didn't have Janeway be the source of like why we're making uh, those bad decisions. And we just focused it on, uh, so the Nandian, uh, uh, maybe that's how they pronounced it in the episode, not Nandy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not uh, going to do it right, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm struggling to figure out what the role of the Janeway hologram is. And we're going to find out at some yeah. point because she's, in, I mean, in this episode, she's continuing to investigate what happened with Chakotay, which we'll get to in a second. But if it's, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, I could see a world in which they're like, actually, its job is to advise or to assist the crew, not to advise them. Because it, you know, you don't want a hologram second-guessing Starfleet officers. Yeah. You just want the hologram to be told, here's what we're going to do and give you all the relevant information to make good decisions. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that's plausible, I guess. Well, and, and I guess now that we know it's like Chakotay was in command of the Protostar and it wasn't like a bunch of um, like cadets or something. Because I, I think that there are, I, I had thought like maybe this was a group of like trainees that were for some reason on this ship uh and that's why hologram janeway is like very much in the sort of teacher uh mindset um but maybe that is sort of a uh she's going beyond her original programming to to like respond to the situation but still doesn't have uh as much direct power over like disagreeing with them and like locking them out of the systems if she thinks they're making a bad decision do you think yeah. Chakotay felt like a little bit shafted being made captain of such a small ship? <laughs> like, it's not a very big ship, you know? Like, it doesn't seem like you could really have that many crew on it. Also, how did Seven of Nine feel about him having Janeway as the, like, hologram? And is, did, could they have, like, different ones? That was the worst. Chakotay can pick different holograms. He's like, I'll go with Captain Janeway. Wait, you made that decision a little quickly there, Chakotay. <laughs> <laughs> so not a Chakotay 7 shipper. Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get really I'm, invested into that, like... Thing they changed like 98% of the show that <laughs> happened and not been setting it up. Yeah. They did. I have met some people who really like it and that, uh, you know, good it's for them. It's only because they were the two best looking people on the show. And so they just, they're like, hmm, who can, who uh, can we put her with? People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive of like 96 no, or whatever. I think Wong is good was. looking too. Yeah. No, I'm, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, they try well they tried to do that route early on right didn't they have like <laughs> seven of nice like remove your clothing <laughs> yeah i vaguely remember that yeah. i mean the, the solution that. though is is like go the discovery route where like everyone is the hottest person you've ever seen in your life <laughs> like we can't have all of them kiss so. i mean but that, that was i mean that was the original series wasn't yeah. it like yeah, every, every everybody on tos is pretty much like you know uh, easy yeah, on the, the screen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they, they all for all of them? I mean, isn't that why they cast all the people they cast? Is mostly because you know. 
po- maybe possibly. not. We're, we're, we're just better. like so used to like the '90s Trek and like not, not. But also, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that Discovery has gone like. A, a tier above in terms Actually, of like, you know, the attractiveness say, requirements. Of the, <laughs> no, they all have fairly attractive people. Let's think about Voyager. The whole, I think most of the cast of Voyager is pretty attractive if you start thinking about it, you know? Anyway, whatever. Join us again Here we next go. week for <laughs> yeah. Star Trek, not or not. Not or not. I can see the beauty in every person, okay? <laughs> I was going to say, if you are a Star Trek actor listening to this, you are beautiful on the you inside are. and the outside. Good for you. Okay, all right. They Let's all have very going. strong chins. That they um, do. This, I think, version of Janeway is also interesting because of like the, the fact that she's doing some investigations that she doesn't tell the crew about. Because she's looking at these videos and apparently she's dug up some more video now. Um, piece by piece we don't really get the logic behind it like how mm-hmm. she's investigating but in the end we see oh no Dreadnought was on the ship what I, I mean I guess we've had uh, it's possible that some of the, the locks that Gwyn has gotten through uh, that were encrypted in her own language maybe there's uh, it's simply that more is available to Janeway at this point but uh, yeah it, I, I am intrigued to see like what's going on there yeah. I mean, this is the overriding mystery, right? Now, yeah. uh, Janeway doesn't know who Dreadnought is, though, apparently, because she hasn't seen... I guess she didn't catch sight of him on the planet in that uh, in the Hydrogen system. Because he was he was in the forest. He She only saw the... Well, she, she I don't think even oh. she even saw the Diviner. But, 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 I mean, certainly she has scans of when they were escaping uh, uh, the... Now I've forgotten the name of the station, but uh, Dreadnought was like on the surface of the ship. Ah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I don't know why. Maybe it's just Janeway hasn't connected uh, that the shadowy figure in that is mm-hmm. Dreadnought. I, I don't know. I mean, if she shows it to any of these kids, they're going to be like, oh, that's Dreadnought. You know? uh, other yeah. than maybe Murph. <laughs> well, and actually, uh, 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 Gwyn, well, this was when Janeway was taken over uh, and rewritten, but... Uh, uh, Gwyn talked to Dreadnought uh, from the Herogen planet using the ship, right? Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, so, I mean, maybe, maybe Janeway knows and they just didn't imply it heavily enough in the show. Who knows? But um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, real quick, the the fairies, as Dietrich calls them, <laughs> again showing the power of animation to yeah. show us strange new yep. worlds. Yep. Oh, that also reminds me, speaking of strange things that characters can do, uh, when they transported Murph outside, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna, or, I was gonna end on the transporting because it's a happy note to end on. Yeah, but, yeah, but, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, teacher called it the Murph Murph Prize. Like the, he's like, look, he's the Murph Prize. He's shaped hilarious. like the Enterprise. <laughs> 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 it's pretty cute. It, it was it was a very charming opening sequence where they're like, also the floor pie is a Simpsons reference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and nice. anyway uh it's uh i mean this is exactly what some kids on the starfleet vessel would do they'd be like oh my god we can like transport stuff you know like it's 
It's, and it, it's, and it, it's, I'm very glad that they didn't, or that they tried it on Murph and, and didn't space one of the other kids. <laughs> that would have been terrible. Oh, uh, but I also have to say, I was a little stressed out by how messy it was. I was like, oh my gosh, these kids. Oh, this starship is a disaster now. <laughs> right? Yeah, they need some dots uh, on there. I was like, as long as they don't go Lord of the Flies, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, in that part of the sequence, I was kind of like, what is happening? Like, are they like, like truly just like is it some sort of breaking point you know because it kind of looked like everything was just garbage and my my brain that's like you know thinking of this as a star trek show not necessarily kid shows like are they like are they all hit their breaking point like that's what if this was a discovery yeah. like we'd see that and then like the crew are all like screaming at each other or something <laughs> I yeah don't know. We, we would have the doctor is an alcoholic type uh trope happening and stuff right. like that jacob fox's <laughs> been hitting the bottle uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but let, let's let's get back to our, our alien friends. Um, a truly truly strange species. Yeah, I yeah. I I loved it. I I, uh, I I I think that's the thing that kind of perpetually I'm most disappointed in Star Trek with is the kind of the portrayal of like truly strange aliens. Uh, and yeah, it's this just makes it. I, I'm very glad that Star Trek is is. Uh, not just having animated shows, but like taking mm -hmm. full advantage mm -hmm. of the medium, and uh, like there was even just like a, yeah the the sound design, the effects, the the concept of the aliens were all things that like I I guess you could have done this in Discovery, but uh, it's it just uh, there's a there's a freedom that the uh, the medium here gives us that uh, just lets us explore something like truly strange. Well, and we don't need to worry about kind of the the more serious consequences of portraying the species like this because they're kids. They're not going to like spend that much time on this planet. They're just going to have like a five minute and superficial interaction because they're too young to do anything else. So let's just give them let's just, you know, we don't have to mess up canon very much by making a species that's based around crystal sound and sand. We just do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's far enough away that yeah it's it's not a um, doesn't have to affect a whole lot, right? And I, yeah, I am continue to be amazed by the things that Prodigy gives us, and um, it's 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 wonderful. I um I yeah I definitely definitely appreciated it. You know, it's not the I'm not as musical as as the two of you are, so I guess y'all maybe appreciated the like symphonies and stuff a little bit better. The gift of music, I was like, come on! Oh, I loved it. I loved that, and I liked that. I liked that Gwyn called it out too. So I bet y'all. And it's did. nice. I it's a nice thing to teach your kids too that a gift doesn't have to be this. You know tangible yeah. kind of you know mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. that you take home with you but it can be an experience or a, a gift of beauty that you can receive so so what you're saying is star trek prodigy is perpetuating the war on christmas exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i, I Happy think holidays I, no christmas <laughs> right there you go there you go there you go i i uh, yeah i didn't i didn't think about that actually it makes perfect sense and that actually does add some value to that um as far as i'm concerned too it's it's um, I think the element of you can try to set things right and it's it's a good thing to do, but it doesn't make erase what happened. Mm -hmm. 
the note basically this episode ends on is a very good one. You could see like a G.I. Joe episode or some other like 90s show or whatever ending yeah. on. And everybody lived happily ever after because we mm-hmm. fixed everything. Mm-hmm. And Emily, you watch other children's TV. <laughs> I don't. I haven't watched children's TV in a very long time. Since I was a child almost, you could say. Um, <laughs> what is this? Is this normal in today's children's media? Like, do do things like this happen where the adult at the end is like, actually, you screwed up. That's... You know, I'm not sure. Probably because a lot of the stuff I'm watching is for even younger kids than what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that, uh, I don't know, like my favorite show that they have right now that's on right now is bluey i don't know if any of you have watched bluey but it is so worth watching like it's seven minute episodes it's out of australia it's awesome it's like a family of healer dogs you know so um the you know two little dog kids and the two adults and the things that one of the things i like about it is it it really does kind of tap into imagination and um Mm. kids being creative but also it one of the things i noticed it does touch on like stuff when you know kids feel left out or or, um, you know, what to do when, when you're angry or what, yeah, I don't know. So I've kind of, I've, I've seen that, but it's also because I'm just watching stuff that's really geared more mm. towards toddlers than it is towards, um, seven to 12 year olds or whatever. I feel like this is more that kind of age range. Don't you think? Yeah. I, well, I think it, it's like even, upper elementary. I'm trying to remember what the, what the rating is. Is it is it Y seven or whatever that this show? I think it might be Y seven. Presumably, this is something I can find out, but I'm failing at the moment. Um, while you look that up, I mean, I I think it's. I don't remember. I mean, I just can't even put myself in a place to. So I guess it's it, it would be interesting to me to find out if we are getting some slightly more kind of, lack of a better word, real themes for the show because it feels like it on on my end mm-hmm. and i think it makes it for the adult in me it's more satisfying too yeah to be like yeah they didn't um they didn't just like wipe their hands and make everything better uh and now the crew has to kind of internalize that lesson and so I'm, I'm yeah i'm curious where they go from here i guess so we'll we'll see what the um what the next episode starts with mm-hmm Turns out it's too hard to look up what something is rated because there's it only talks about ratings, so I give up. <laughs> yeah, it's IMDb rating is six point six. I'm I guess pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's youth seven, although yeah. it is hard for me to remember because I'm always <laughs> seeing things that are rated youth seven. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's this. Uh yeah. I I'll um We'll we'll figure it out maybe before next week or something like that. Yeah, so it looks like animated series was originally developed for Nickelodeon targeting ages 6 to 11. Okay. According to Hollywood Reporter writing in October of 2021. So, I... Yeah, and it's, it's rated TVY7. So, I don't know. I... I don't know how I feel about that, actually. <laughs> Because this is, I mean, we've said it before, we'll say it again. This is the best Star Trek, in my opinion, in 25 years. What does it say that is written for people who are age 6 to 11? Because it doesn't feel like <laughs> it at all. But, you know, this has been the reality of children's movies for a long time. Like, just think about mm. Pixar films. They're totally 
totally for adults as much as they're for kids. Like they, oh, yeah. they make a point of there being uh, themes that are kind because they know adults are taking their kids to it, right? And so yeah. they want to try to make. You just it need to make to the both. adults cry in the first five minutes, and they're hooked. And so. oh my, I mean, I still cry every single time I watch Frozen Two. I'm not kidding. Like, and you could just put on a particular scene, and I will cry. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's what that's kind of. I I feel like that's it makes sense that we would feel that way about this star trek hmm yeah yeah i think i think that makes me feel a little bit better it still makes me wonder what the kids are seeing uh like that like i'm getting my version of this tv show and now it makes me like i want to know what the like what what if not a focus group necessarily but like what the average child is like feeling about this show because i'm like i hope you love it this is great and i want you to like it and the kid's like wow this is trash i'm gonna go watch like (laughs) i don't know phineas and ferb or whatever (laughs) Um, uh so i'm just curious i guess um but we'll we'll find out soon enough i but yeah, I can't keep, I mean, it's getting old, I guess, to keep saying this, but this is a great show. And mm-hmm. I, I, I am really excited is. every single week to watch. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Any other final things y'all wanted to discuss from this episode? Um, I guess we forgot to mention that the friggin' Ryzen sexuality and fertility symbol is in this episode a whole bunch, the Horgan. Uh. <laughs> so that was for the adults out there. Uh, but are there other other pieces that we can uh we can discuss in any more detail i mean i i'm just uh i'm intrigued to see where this goes because i i was kind of um expecting uh that the rev 12 would just be kind of not a problem for quite a long time but uh they now know where they are so i i've got a like I was already excited to see the next episode because like these are all good episodes, but like there's there's like urgency now that I I wasn't feeling in the past couple of ones because of the revelation that Nandy contacting yeah um, the diviner. I I mean I I suppose what maybe it remains to be seen like can't okay they uh, it would have taken Voyager four years to warp uh to where. Uh, the prodigy is or the uh protostar is right now mm-hmm. uh so we'll find out about the capabilities of the rip rev 12 but it seems like at the very least uh the diviner can start putting roadblocks in even if they're indirect and in, like hiring co- hiring like mercenaries or things like that to go against them not to end on a sad note but it makes me really devastated that there really are people that do this to children you know, yeah. that sell children into slavery. And that, anyway, sorry, that's just grim. But it's just like you just start thinking like that's like a prison planet for children who are doing labor. Oh, God. Yeah, that's not just science fiction. Right. You know, but I just kind of hitting home. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is one or more of those elements that, you know, you could discuss with your child as you watch this show is kind of a way to introduce them to the idea that some kids are less fortunate than you know, the life you're living and maybe you should think about how that makes you feel. And like, if we can, I don't know where that discussion goes. I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to <laughs> think about these things, but, <laughs> but it, it is, it is. Yeah. I think it's, it's poignant to, to think about the fact that these things, as much as they are fictional themes in our show, there are bad things happening out there that we should think about the impact we can have on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
Um, I should have let you do the floor pie for the ender. Sorry. <laughs> Told you. Told you. Well, we land on the little, the, the companion cube that Nandy has, uh, which oh, yeah. so now to get. Oh, oh, oh. But, but that's kind of an interesting concept. Another thing that's much easier to do in um, animation than practical effects. You just have a floating cube everywhere that helps you with stuff. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty neat. But, all right. Why don't we jump over to doing our ratings? Which of you would like to stick your neck out and give first contact a rating? Uh, okay, I, I I think I'm gonna give this one uh, a nine again, just because I I'm trying to resist giving tens <laughs> now, which just seems. But like I, what I re- I just really appreciated that this episode uh, gave me a new perspective on Dahl without having it be. Um, I don't know. I, di- I didn't feel hit over the head with, with a lot of these things. And, and Dahl still, still hasn't like realized and fully connected a lot of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the reset of how I'm viewing his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five. I, same reasons. I just, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it, I thought it dug a little deeper than some of the others. Just um Mm-hmm. As far as like emotionally, like, yeah, yeah, you know, anyway, so I like that. I am going to go with an eight. And I know this, sorry, this is a blistering critique of this episode as far as, far as my <laughs> previous Prodigy ratings are concerned. Uh, but I enjoyed it very much. I didn't think it quite hit that level of perce- perfection. I told you guys, I think this is the first episode where I was like, huh, this has a lot of like content that is kind of oriented towards kids so i um and lessons and things like that like i don't know but i i still thoroughly enjoyed it so eight out of ten for me all right well with that um it's time for us to say goodbye and before we do that i'm gonna say thank you emily thank you adam for discussing this episode with me as always wonderful to catch you week after week to discuss star trek it is the favorite part of my week for sure yes thanks yeah, Notch. thanks Notch, and thanks for helping me figure out how to record my side of the episode here <laughs> no problem no problem we're dear listener we are going back and forth editing the podcast adam is now helping with some of the audio production i am deeply grateful um also deeply grateful to bill rudy dinah and max wherever y'all are whatever all it is y'all are doing hope it's a great time um i want to say thank you to jishnu guha recorded our theme music always appreciate hearing him strum away on the guitar and thank you dear listener for being out there as well we make this podcast for you we appreciate that you take the time to listen to it and sometimes write to us so uh, thanks for that and this week's special thanks to grand nega zek and all of his forward thinking policies you know another <laughs> lesson for the kids to learn so special thanks to him all right thanks everybody goodbye thanks bye, bye.